Hello, everybody. This is Dan Doty, and you're listening to the Everyman Podcast. You're about to listen to episode five. I am recording in the brilliant sunshine on a Montana afternoon. Uh, the skies are blue. The mountains are full of snow. It's just an incredible place. Um, I'm especially happy. I have found that recording outside in the open air is offering about as good of a sound quality as I can create in my own little studio. So uh, that feels liberating. You might hear some birds. You might hear some chickens. And you might hear a little wind, but I don't really care because this is worth it. At Everyman, we have some exciting things going on. <laughs> I've been feeling a little embarrassed because I keep saying that dates are coming. Well, they've, well, they've finally arrived, and I'm speaking about our retreat dates and our expedition dates. Um, our east, our next East Coast open source retreat, which is a weekend intensive for 30 guys, we are running with the weekend of December 2nd, 2017. If that one sells out immediately, we're going to fill a second weekend right on the back of that. Um, the link to that is going to be up sometime this week. I uh, hope so up this week. It's going to be um, very soon. So go to everyman.co, E-V-R-Y-M-A-N.co. Put your email in and you'll get on the newsletter that will get you a link to buy a seat to that immediately. That's happening imminently. We're just, we're working with the tech and we're working with the details to make this simple. In the past, I was the one um, basically taking all the reservations and dealing with the money and I, not that I sucked at it, but it certainly is not my strong point and it wasn't that much fun. So we're trying to automate all that in a, in a, in a more easy fashion. So December 2nd, this is going to be at Racebrook Lodge in the Berkshires, uh, an incredible place in the mountains near the Appalachian Trail. Great food, great location. Uh, and this weekend, you know, read all about it on our website. But it's legitimately, um, I think I could say legitimately that there's a good chance this can be really hugely positive impact uh, for you to take into your life. It's, it's just a really good thing. I'm really excited about it. We are working on West Coast dates as well. We're looking at October or November. We should have those finalized very soon. Stay in touch for that. And I'm even more proud to announce that our first Everyman Expedition is going to be on, it's going to start on Sunday, the 27th of August, and it's going to go uh, seven days and end on Saturday, September 2nd. And this adventure is going to be a big wallop of the core curriculum and practices that we do at Everyman, which is, you know, to put it in a nutshell, is to show up with a group of guys and uh, just let go of the normal societal stigmas that, that we have when we interact with each other and just show up and, and be really honest and really direct and really supportive, and um, we're going to do this in the context of the wilderness. So we're going to do a four-day backcountry backpacking expedition in Yellowstone National Park, actual Yellowstone National Park with grizzly bears and mountain lions and wolves and elk and bison and moose and birds. I mean, this is legitimate. Uh, I have done wilderness expeditions all over the globe, and this one really lights me up. Um that's an understatement. 
this <laughs> this is really what I've been working to toward creating for a really long time, and it's hard to contain myself when I think about it. I'm going to be leading this along with uh, co-founder Lucas Trump. Uh, Trump. Whoa, Lucas Crump. I wonder. I bet he gets that a lot. Uh, Lucas Crump and I are going to be leading this retreat along with uh, some professional guides, so we don't have to to do the logistical stuff. So we get to just show up and uh, be with this group of. It's going to be 14 guys all together, and we're going to run our magic. So we're going to climb a peak. We're either going to raft or go fishing. We're going to backpack for four days. We're going to do all of the amazing, amazing sometimes grueling things that are involved in a backpacking trip, and uh, it's going to be big. It's going to be deep. It's going to be important. Um, so you are invited uh, go on our website. Again, our website is going to have links to signing up for this uh, very, very, very shortly. This week. If not this week, then freaking next week, sometime really soon. And I'd love to see that you don't have to be incredibly fit to do this, um, but you should be moderately fit. Uh, backpacking is, you know, it's a grueling activity. We're not going to go, you know, 20 mile days. We'll probably do six, eight, 10 mile days. And, um, you know, you should be able to carry a pack for that amount. It's challenging. You know, it's meant to be challenging. That's kind of the point. Uh, this, this is, this is our, this is a big deal, right? This is, this is not a, a chip shot event. This is, this is like, uh, taking the whole bite and it's not many opportunities. Many people have to, to do a legitimate wilderness experience like this. And coupled with the, the brotherhood we're going to create amongst a group of guys is, uh, <laughs> I'm rambling. I don't know. I need to get a little tighter on this, but I'm just very excited. So check it out. I just want to thank all of you for listening. Uh, your presence means so much. Your emails and your messages and your attention, it, it just means so much. And uh, it feels like we're really building something amazing. Today, I have an incredibly, um, it's just a gift of a podcast. Last week, I was able to sit down with my friend. I'm honored to call him a friend, Rourke Denver, who's a commander of the Navy SEALs, who shot, saw uh, deployment in Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, and he ran uh, all training for, for the Navy SEALs for, for years as well. Uh, I got to go on a his first big game hunt in Alaska with him a couple years ago. And just knowing him and, 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 and uh, you know, h- hanging out with him has been really just a, just a a joy and he's just a he's just uh, there's only good things I can say about this guy and this conversation we had means a lot to me just because um as as we talked about in episode I believe it was three with Aaron Blaine about how special forces and and uh, Navy SEAL type type guys they carry a lot of weight in our culture and uh they're kind of an at not kind of they're an aspirational figure that a lot of guys would love to be like and uh, for work to uh, you know sit down and, and and talk this whole this whole thing out with me means a lot. So uh, check it out. Um, there's a lot of good stuff in here, and I'll check back in with you at the end of the podcast. Take care, guys. Bye. <laughs> All right, we are live. We are here in the open air recording a podcast with Rourke Denver. And I am excited and humbled and, and just excited to get going here. And, and Rourke, a 
welcome, man, and thank you for being here. I appreciate you having me. I'm stoked. And uh, I'll just start with, I'll let you, I'm getting better at introducing people, but I'm just going to let you kind of introduce yourself yeah, and tell sure. everybody what you're all about. Yeah, I'm Rook Denver. I um, spent uh, 14, I guess the, the biggest uh, bio line has spent 14 active duty years in the SEAL teams. Um uh, still a commander in the reserve, so I'm going to see 20, so I'll finish it out uh, in the reserves. Um, you know, got the full experience being a SEAL pre-9-11, uh, going through that kind of mythic training program and then becoming a member of the team before we were at war. And then 9-11 unfolds while I'm, you know, on deployment and then now approaching 20 years of sustained combat and kind of finished my active duty career running training for the SEALs. So ran the basic course of instruction there in Coronado where we put the young lions through hell week and all those, mm-hmm. um, you know, crucibles to see if they, they've got what it takes to become part of that brotherhood. And then uh, advanced training where we do sniper and hand-to-hand fighting and communications and um, jump school, all the polished schools we use to kind of get SEALs ready for the battlefield. So that's, um, you know, that's one of the big bio points. Grew up in Northern California, uh, outdoorsman, fisherman, never really a hunter, but shot a lot growing up, which, which certainly translated into the, into the SEAL teams. And um, athlete my whole life, played uh, lacrosse in college up at Syracuse, um, which at the time was a, a perennial powerhouse. They're still in the, still in the hunt, but just um, uh, have been a couple years since they've been back to championship weekend uh, and was a, was a captain out there and, and got to play on a couple national championship teams. Just an unbelievable experience. And then, then joined the Navy, and I'm a, uh, I'm a husband, I'm a, I'm a father, uh, I'm a writer, and I hope a thinker, and uh, one of your buddies. <laughs> yeah, so we met, uh, Rourke and I met on a meat eater shoot Geez, I didn't think of the. T- I don't know, three, four years ago, five years, something like that. Yeah. On uh, got three. Off pl- yeah, no more than three. Is that it? Really? Yeah, because it's still pretty recent. This hunting life's new to me, man. Because I, wow. we, we, because uh, I left from here, right? I, yeah. uh, to meet you guys, and it was pretty shortly after. I think, um, I think I arrived here. So that's that's three years. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So, so went on a bear hunt in uh, the Alaska Range, and uh, looking back, man, that's probably one of my top three trips i got to do with that show wow that's cool i mean it was just yeah it was everything i love in a trip it was was. we were totally you know in the boonies yeah we we put our the weight on our back and we camped on the side of the mountain and you know if that's all we did i would have been pretty satisfied for sure but but the entire thing the group we had the uh i don't know exciting hunt and it was uh, we somehow got unscathed by the by the the undercooked bear meat yep uh, everybody else got taken out <laughs> <laughs> that's right that's right superior genetics on this podcast yeah <laughs> um uh, you've referred to both yourself and me in the past as, as the Clydesdale division and i like to think that maybe that's why we uh we, we survive we're just yeah we're just larger and tougher. big guys just big guys <laughs> we, we can metabolize more more discomfort and parasites <laughs> yeah well i'm super excited to have you on here man you know um this new project that every man podcast and, and the business we've launched is, um, you know, it's, we're on the fifth, this will be the fifth podcast that we put out. And already we had a, a special forces guy on Aaron Blaine and having you on and, yeah. and I never intended for that to happen, you know, and it's, you know, I gotta be honest that I look around at podcasts like self improvement podcasts, you know, Navy SEALs and special forces guys are in hot, order right people pre- sure. people love to hear from you and yeah i would say so i think that uh there's it's really interesting because um this came out in that last podcast but it's very clear to me that um 
guys like yourself that have gone through this hold a really interesting and important sort of seat of cultural power in the sense of uh, what guys aspire to. You know, when people look at an American man, I, I think, and I'm generalizing and maybe taking some liberty here, but, you know, you guys get respect. You have respect in a way that not many other um, areas do. You know, even, I think the other areas of guys that get a lot of respect are sports heroes. Yep. Maybe some comedians, some guys like Joe Rogan, other sort of dudes, right? Guys, yeah, for guys, sure. guys. And so, yeah, so I, it's, um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's just a, yeah, it's an honor to be, to, to be here and to really just kind of open up. Um, I'm hoping and intending that uh, we can sort of approach this, you know, approach approach your, your, your life and history in the military and, and what's happened since in a slightly different way than, than you hear all the other times. Yeah, you know? I love it. Yep. So, um, yeah, I, let's, I'll just throw a question, a starting point out and we can, we can take it from there. But, um, oh, man, there's a million things I want to say. But, the, you know, when we were out in Alaska on that first trip and, and just hearing your stories about Bud's training and, and your deployment and all of that um, – there is a sense, and I'd like to hear your what you how this feels to you. But there's you must notice it from guys when you're chatting with them that there's this sort of it might be jealousy, it might be could I do that? It might be sort of like some sort of because there's this hierarchy, right? There's there's a sort of internal external hierarchy that that we have culturally, and and um, it was really cool. I had some you know you know hanging out with you and doing that hunt was. Uh, um, it was really helpful to me in a, in some interesting ways, and then maybe, maybe they'll come out. But yeah, I'm, I go, let's start with with the buds training and the and the seal training. It doesn't have to just be the buds part yeah, of sure, it. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, what do you see in terms of how that helps guys uh, step into themselves and grow up? Like, what what kind of? I mean, obviously, you have criteria military. You're trying to create a certain team right a certain way to make it happen we're certainly trying to identify the people that will fit into the team great um which i think is is kind of a an important nuance to to what we do i i think there's a a little bit of a misconception and and this might be an argument you you might talk to another seal another seal trainer and people in elite forces that that would argue this and there's probably a viable argument to say we are trying to create something or we're trying to build something yeah um my sense in the way we do our training is that we are trying to find something. We're trying to find gotcha. raw material yep. out of uh, a real disparate group of, of, of backgrounds. I mean, nobody that comes to SEAL training is a cookie cutter type thing. Of course, commonalities are shared between toughness and mental strength and discipline and physical abilities and, and things that, you know, were they not present, that, that program isn't for you. Uh, I also think... Um, it's this interesting balance between, you know, finding that material and then kind of molding and shaping that into sure. a capable problem solving operator on the battlefield. Uh, one of the things that's neat about the military that I think a lot of the world is missing. And, and, and I've, I've talked about this before. I don't, I, I can't really remember it into what detail, but there's a word that I think most people would say is a negative that I see as a positive. And it's the idea of subjugation. The idea of of submitting yourself to something bigger yeah. than you, right? Yeah. And and, yeah. and the military is that. I mean, we 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 break people down, and you know, you get your head shaved, and you get yelled at, and and all those things to kind of 
you know, beat you up a little bit. And, and, and the beatings aren't for beating's sake. Everything that happens in the military is, is very, very pointed. Yeah. And, and, you know, usually the things that seem the most inane and the most, you know, useless, like, why am I doing this? I got to polish my belt buckle for six hours to get this thing brass polished. Um, they're big, big elemental building blocks of, of what we're looking for. Right. Attention to detail, yeah. um, being disciplined and focused and seeing a job through until it's completed and completed well. Mm-hmm. You know, do it do it right or do it twice. I mean, all these lessons that come out of the military are just phenomenal, phenomenal building blocks for life. And and so um, the things I take away from that experience are far, much, are far less the – you know, the high ideals, the big time missions that have been splashed over the covers of, uh, uh of the news and movies and books. And, and I, and I'm careful about this cause I've written a couple books and, um, you know, I tried to handle them, I think differently than a lot of other people handle them. But, um, those basic building blocks are big and they, they, they serve as a foundation for probably everything I'll do, you know, post that experience. Yeah. I mean, I look at things differently um, through the lens of, of what I learned doing that. And and so the basic course is, I, I don't want to actually spend a ton of time on the, you know, yeah. the, the focus or the, the specifics of buds, because it's just been totally, it's been talked about so much, yeah. but it's, um, it is, it's a special place. It's an, I think yeah. you were saying earlier, it's an aspirational place. It's the yeah. type of spot that, you know, people know, look, that there's very few people that see the finish line and, and are capable of doing that. And, and by the numbers that proves true. I don't think any of us that do, um, frankly feel special, think of ourselves as special or, or, or particularly different. Um, I did hear, uh, Aaron, right? Yeah. Aaron. Talk, talk, yeah. talk yeah. about this, that, that the one thing that is not, um, is not a mistake. I think everybody that seeks out the SEAL teams, uh, you know, SF in the army, which are the green berets, you know, like Aaron and, and, you know, Rangers and these elite units. Um, I think most guys are actively seeking out a peer group that fits, right? you know, a peer group of men that, yeah. that, that you're like, I am home. And I, yeah. I work pretty hard to find that group up through Division One athletics and yeah. um, combative sports and things like that. And, I, and I've got fantastic friends from my time at Syracuse and playing ball at that level. I mean, just phenomenal, phenomenal guys. Um, I had to go another step or two to find that peer group. Now, again, my best friends from Syracuse, particularly their lift, lit, listening, are 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 I hold them as some of my most sublime best friends, and they always will be. Yeah. Um, to two, find. Two qu- Two yep. questions to yep. interrupt you a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Two questions came up. So, uh, backing up a half step, you mentioned, um, you mentioned the basics, right? These very, very fine-tuned, specific things. I just, and then before that, we talked about not necessarily building or creating something, but do you? Is it this? Um, here's what I'm trying to get at. Is it a? Is it sort of a sense of uncovering? Do you think that the guys who come in are really meant for this? already have that in them that ba- that attention to detail because what i'm seeing and, and i think and this is this is big for me too is this sense of rather than imposing something on people and even if it's basics like attention to detail or ability to work hard you what you're doing actually is just pulling back something and uncovering what's already there does that fit or is that a fair no fair I thought, way it, to it say resonates it? with me i mean okay, I, I would yeah. say that program um, and those elite programs and, and anything that pushes you to a place where you start stripping down, um, you know, the, the average um, kind of regular day life is an exposing type yeah. experience. Yeah. Um, so. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I think I've said this before, too, but I, I kind of I, I think it's I think it's worth it. 
my class started with about 180, 190 guys. Yeah. And we graduated 22. And I'd say out of those 22 guys, at graduation, there was probably one dude sitting there that was like, holy shit, I made it. Like, this <laughs> yeah. is, like, unbelievable. Like, yeah, I never yeah. thought that was going to happen, and here I am. Yeah. I'd say the 21 others absolutely knew they were going to make it. Right. They just knew they were in the right place. Yeah. And they needed the program to, like, be as savage and as difficult and as hard and as honest as you hoped it would be and it was like shake out the chaff and you're like here we go man now i'm now we're whittled down to that like you know that tip of the mountain we don't have to take this too far but do you see have you seen guys show up to it that um are maybe really aspiring to have some of that but but maybe just don't have it deep down like they're they're, they're, they're really trying to get there i would say a lot wow okay not just a few i I would say by noticeable percentage yeah there are guys that want to be what they think that archetype is they want to be part of that brotherhood and 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 honestly saying they have no business being there isn't the right way to look at it because that sounds elitist in some way but i I think they they don't they they either don't have it then or they may never have it or it's not um and maybe the honest thing is is it's not what they expected and it and it wasn't what they yeah they thought it was going to be um so i mean i i think when you show up i mean like i said it's so many different personalities it's so many different um you know type of people that that succeed and fail and i've seen both of each right like i've seen you know so many people that are big strong fast great families and everything they'd need to have you know the right stuff to get through get through and then more of them with that don't get through and then i've seen guys that you know were abused as kids and came from horrible backgrounds and would probably be in jail if it weren't for the military right crush the program and i've seen a bunch of those guys crash against the rocks and go right back to that life so there 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 is some little thing there's some little spark that there was a captain that that was a member of uh, a seal captain that i remember ran the training when i was i was a junior person i remember hearing him one time say it was it was a really elegant way of putting it and also very simple he was like you know everybody inside them has this spark has this fire Mm -hmm. and at seal training we use cold water and sand and concrete and misery to try (laughs) and extinguish that yeah and and frankly most of the time we do it works for the people that that make it you can't extinguish that flame and therein lies the 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 burn that lives inside the guys that will go on to be warriors and and go do that job and they 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 can't that flame can't be extinguished. That makes a lot of sense to me. It, <clears throat> I'm also, it was kind of a revelation when Aaron in our podcast told me that <clears throat> he'd explicitly been searching out this, this brotherhood, this peer group, this team environment. It, 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 yeah, I guess, you know, we, we, I hear the word brotherhood in, in the seals and then in, in the SF stuff. And, um, it just rings so deeply true for me. It just, it just lands. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was, it was cool to hear that, not, I mean, it's recognized. And I asked Aaron, like, was that right? Re- were you aware that that's what you were looking for along the way? And he said, absolutely. Yeah. That really impressed me, surprised yep. me. And I, and yeah, so you can, you can relate to that. Is that 100%? Yeah. I mean, like I said, yeah. I, I, uh, one of my favorite story. well, I think we might get to this story when we talk about grit a little bit because I shared yeah. it with some of my, my, my team that was on that show. But, you know, when I showed up and made it through SEAL training, when I looked to my left and right, when I saw the, the folks that were there, 
I, I truly felt like I was home. And, and I came from a good home. I have a brother. Yeah. He's my best friend. He's a better friend to me than anyone I've ever had will ever have in my life. I have an unbelievable relationship with my parents. My dad is, is the archetype of archetypes. So, I mean, I, I came from a good place. Um, but that was a peer group that, you know, the, the rest of your life is about choosing who, who's your other family going to be, who are right. the other people right. you're going to, yeah. you're going to crash against and spend time with. And, um, uh, I knew as soon as I got through to that finish line, you're like, this is it. These yeah. are the guys. Like, I will not replace this or probably replicate this easily moving forward. Not yeah. now. You, uh, Renella, some of these guys I've met in the hunting space, very interesting, are are, are very similar. It's interesting, it, it, isn't it? Is. It is. There's yeah. tremendous parallels. Tremendous yeah. parallels. It is. Uh, you know, yeah. I think about the, you know, I, I literally kind of ran into accidentally that whole media career with yeah. with mediator and steve and everything <laughs> you know i was on this um trajectory where i was leading groups of young men out out in the woods right and in in, in our own way having um a sense of team and brotherhood and connection and, and something like the woods and then um yeah man ran into the the tv world and then all of a sudden found myself literally in a modern day hunting band like band of hunters right, that right, traveled right. to you know yeah, yeah. kill and eat food and then obviously in this day and age to you know share that in a, in a media fashion very different but yeah it's so interesting how um and suffer right absolutely i mean one of the big things that <laughs> i feel like i'm kind of cute keying in on right now <laughs> yeah. that i think is one of the misrepresented um pursuits that most people go and this this is something i'm putting a yeah. lot of thought into and may even you know, write an entire book about because I'm thinking so much about it is the idea of the the, the tremendous merits of suffering. Yeah, yeah. That it just, I mean, well, it's, is that a specific suffering or is that suffering in general? I would say all suffering. Uh, you yeah. know, probably yeah. emotional. You know, medical, spiritual, and then physical probably does it, i mean it's on you what you take out of, of it course. and i think therein becomes the the, the rub right that yeah. <laughs> how do you how do you respond to that but i i think we have created an entire society and lifestyle in this country where you can you can virtually avoid all pain and discomfort yes. totally i mean 365 yeah. days a year you can be in a climate controlled safe comfortable place where other than somebody cutting you off on the highway yeah is probably going to be the most suffering you experienced totally. and that is a mistake totally it's a huge mistake i wonder what the i mean i don't have to like guess too much it's maybe very clear but yeah the suffering is huge i mean I remember, you know, when I started leading the, the wilderness trips and spending weeks, months, you know, I, I think my longest trip is 40 days out, out in the hills. And, um, gosh, man, I mean, I can remember specific moments where it was raining for three days straight. It was cold as hell. There was, it was just, there was nothing comfortable. There was, there was no access to comfort anywhere. And maybe, you know, you talked about a spark that people find in the, in the course. Yep. I mean, all of a sudden that takes over. It's like, this is the fucking happiest i've yep. ever been <laughs> yeah you know? no there's it's something like, and nobody look nobody ever jumped up and celebrated doing something easy no that's not the way life works right you don't yeah. jump up and be like well i really knocked out that shopping list pretty happy about that today there's an accomplishment i mean get me wrong like i i, I i'm yeah. i'm happy i'm not on the shopping list every day and that, that actually is yeah you know one of those things it's like you got to go do but i mean when, when you talk to people or you see somebody write about things, it's usually these epic things, but it, it, it doesn't need to be worldly epic. Somebody goes out and does an Ironman that wasn't an yeah, athlete and right. realizes you don't need to be a supreme athlete to do an Ironman. You need to struggle. 
Right. You can go download a program to train for an Ironman right now, and if you, you have, you can be an absolute non-athlete, absolutely and utterly uncoordinated, and you can you can rip an Ironman, no yeah. doubt about. It. No one can tell me otherwise, because I've seen the people that do it, and I've got buddies yeah. that have done. They're just like I, you know, I just start putting in extra miles on the bike and ran, and guess what? I dropped thirty pounds, and I I finished an Ironman. You're like Roger that, you yeah. know, and that's <laughs> that's good. I mean, it's worth doing. Yeah. yeah. The, so I wonder, but I think so. Suffering, yes, but if we combine it with the there's, to me, there seems to be an extra draw to this group suffering. Like, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I don't know. It's, it, it's, it has somehow has more power or something for me that, um, I mean, we could all be monks and train for an Ironman all alone. Yep. And I think that's good. That's its own kind of growth. That's its own thing, too. But um, <clears throat> something about suffering, which with, you know, <clears throat> in this context, a bunch of dudes or a couple dudes I don't know. Takes it to uh, it, it. It somehow magnifies it, or it, it makes it more important, or more memorable, or I, I don't know. I, I think. no, I utterly agree. I mean, all the best times I've spent in my life have been in a team social environment, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I yeah. just don't believe humans are solitary creatures. Neither I, do I, don't. I. And yeah. and I mean, guys are the worst about this. I think seeking it out and finding groups. You know, women have a lot better sense of community and social structure and yeah. building groups and, and and friends and networks so they can lean on each other. And I mean, we need to take a a, a, a page of that playbook because I, yeah. guys don't do it as much. And 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 when you share that stuff, look, I I peg out. I took one of those personality tests multiple times, both in college and uh, when I was doing my master's program. They they did the same thing. I peg the meter on introvert introverted peg the meter really and people think no way you know you're 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 wow. you know talker and you're in these social places w- what you don't see is i thought introverted extroverted always you know focused on shy outgoing okay and that's a component to it but if you talk to people that really understand those tests it's actually where you draw like your energy from yep. right so yep. like when i go give a speech to three thousand people and i'm at like seven cocktail parties and social i can knock it out of the park and, and go do that and people would be like man that guy's social and fun love the stories is great when it ends i have to like shut down the yeah. engines like i yeah. will not talk for three or four days whereas my bride who pegs out on extroverted uh-huh. will finish like a dinner with six couples we've been talking all night we'll get in the car to drive home and now she's got to really start talking to like <laughs> debrief what happened and she and we laugh about it because yeah. she knows me yeah. she knows i would yeah. much rather not talk for three days, yeah. let alone right now. And we, we, we have a happy medium of doing the debrief and her knowing, like, I know you're smoked and don't have it. So, so <laughs> you know, I peg out, like I said, again, on introverted. That being said, I, I, I can do plenty of time alone, yeah. but we're social creatures. And, and we're, we're uh, I won't say herd because I don't believe in that, pack. We're pack animals for yeah, sure. Yeah, that's what I, sure. that's, I've always... I mean, when I was leading kids out in the woods, that was that just came to my mind over and over and over and over. Just just the pack dynamics, and um, I talked about this on the Rogan podcast recently. But there's um, a recent book called Social, where a neurobiologist went in and studied the the actual wiring that we have. That uh, basically the argument is this: is that when we have a task or we have something to think about or figure out, our analytical uh, wiring hits on, we, we take care of that. And then when that goes away, the default setting of our brain is the social setting, which is what are they thinking? How am I relating to my pack? How is like, like that's our resting state is yep. this guy's argument. You yeah. Know? And I think that, um, I think it's important. I, th- I think that's kind of a, a big thing. I, I feel like, you know, the, the, the seals and, and, and I mean, you guys, there's another book, um, 
I should have done my homework, but it's about the flow state basically, and it starts out with with studying the the seals mm. and this kind of sixth sense that you guys get to yeah. have as a team and how you operate together, and you can basically read each other's thoughts. And when uh, you know, it, I'm, if I blo- if I fuck this up, tell me. But that. Um, you know, whoever's kind of leading in the moment, if 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 they have to step outside, somebody automatically steps up, no and it's, it's just it. this, this this sort of flawless team atmosphere. And it's you know, uh, you can easily see it in sports too. I think play, playing course, playing yeah. football, you know, like you have just this sense, this this immediate communication happens somehow where you sense what the hell's going on, and you do what you have to do for your teammates, right? Yeah. That's what 100%. you do. So, well, it's also when you talk about you know when when we talk about the suffering, we talk about the social as well. I mean, one of the things that's I think the gift of it is is that you can't just do for yourself when you're in like group suffering, right? right. Like it wouldn't be right. If you're the one, like I'm going to eat the last Snickers bar, like there's only <laughs> one left. So I'm going to like squirrel that away and go eat yeah. it. Like any good teammate wouldn't do that. They'd break that up and give it to the rest of the crew. And, and, and well, you, you know start, what's going to happen to you if you do, well, I mean, there's real, there's, there's true accountability. Right? That's another, yeah. that's another real yeah. blessing. And I think Aaron talked about this as, a little bit as well too, is, is, is we still come from a place where like the accountability is like fast and violent and real. And, yeah. And we we like that. Like yeah. if you want to run your mouth and talk trash to somebody, that they're, they're gonna answer the bell. They will toe the line for that right. fight, and the fight will physically ensue. And then you'll work it out afterwards. And I, and I think that's a good thing. I mean, we know what happens when people go away to a cabin in the woods, you know, and spend a bunch of time in isolation. They come out and start blowing buildings up. <laughs> yeah. So you know, for the most yeah. part, there's a couple people yeah. up in the wilds that live alone that probably yeah. should and are never gonna come do harm to others. I think in general. <laughs> yeah. You know, that accountability, social and otherwise, I mean, it's actually why I like living in a small town. You know, when I when I lived in, in Southern California or spent more time in Southern California, you know, it's such a mass of humanity. I mean, somebody, you know, somebody cuts you off on Highway 5 in Southern California and flips you off, you, you, you know, they can flip you off because they're never going to see you again. Right. The thing that's great about living right. in a small town is like you cut me off here and flip me off like i'm gonna see you a tuesday on the loafing junk and be like oh oh black nissan titan you flip me off let's discuss that now now that you see me out of the car like now we have some accountability where you gotta like stand up and defend the fact that you were a you were a badass in your car yeah now you don't look the same you know which i think is good i mean yeah. i think i think the litigious nature of our country and that you know we sue each other over everything and people's feelings get hurt about everything we're killing ourselves man we used to just be culturally tougher than this yeah i and well i i think you bring an important point i believe really deeply that that built-in uh feedback model and accountability model is absolutely uh crucial because mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're just going along, doing your own damn thing, making up your own story about how the world is, making up your own story about how the other people are living, and and making up your own story about how you're living. And yeah, man, that the <clears throat> that team environment where there's enough uh, openness to to be absolutely real with what's going on because you have to. Um, I I can't find a uh, anything to replace that. Yeah. That seems like like kind of. And actually, that this book I'm talking about, social, is that uh, he may even makes an argument that these social needs of ours uh, almost um, come before or eclipse some of our basic physical needs, like mm-hmm. e- even food and water. Like you know, I mean, as a group, as, as a pack, <clears throat> how do you find food and water? You, you have to rely on your yeah. pack and yeah. others, right? I also think that yeah. the thing about doing hard things as well that I really enjoy, and I, I think we're kind of going all over the map, but I, I'm enjoying the conversation is that you have to do it right like you can't just talk about it I and mean, there's just so many people now that talk about they think they're tough 
Yeah. They think they're smart. They think they're capable. Well, you got to throw your hat in the ring to find out. Like you don't get to find out in isolation. There's a there's a kid right now that's been re- he's been reaching out to me and and to other like kind of public seals on Twitter. Yeah, claiming he's a seal. And I mean it it is so obviously absurd. <laughs> <laughs> the way he's describing it and talking about it and saying we're all on missions together and this and that. And a bunch of people are, like, nuking him on it. You know, and then there's there's a whole, like, faction of SEALs that go find stolen Valor guys that are claiming to be SEALs that aren't. It's not something that really ever bothered me. I don't. I, I just yeah. have other things to do. It's not some of the time. Yeah. But, you know, this, this guy's reaching out and claiming stories and all this stuff. But you're like, you know, you're probably sitting in the basement of your mom's house in your underwear playing video games. Like, yeah. that's... That's your, like, stretching yourself and the most you do. Like, our guys are like, no, I'm going to go get in those gunfights with those weapon systems and go find out. You yeah. know, I'm going to go I'm gonna go see. And and that that's what you get from doing things and from taking risks and going hard is, is you you will you'll figure it out. Like you said, you know, that, that accountability and kind of exposing uh, the truth about yourself, that that's kind of fun to get to. It's not always fun. I mean, some of yeah. it, some of it hurts, but it uh, to me it's worth it. I don't want to jump the gun <clears throat> too much and get this cigar is making my throat dry as hell. <laughs> um, but I, I'm curious, you know, Aaron and I got into <clears throat> some really sort of deep, good stuff at the end of our, our of our uh, talk about, you know, coming home from having lived a life in a team environment and in this intense environment where you're proving yourself all the time. And all of these things are engaged and coming home to a lack of that. Um I'm curious on your take, you know, um, a couple things, but maybe start with the, uh, do you think that the, the SEAL training and uh, is there a connection to sort of, um, maybe a more generalized human growth or growing up or maturing or, or being like, uh, I'm, I'm here, here's my question and I won't pull it back. Just like, does it, does it offer a, um, are you getting like a, a human training out of that too? Are are you are? Is it make you a better person? Does it make you a more effective person? Does it does it sort of uh, translate to the rest of the world as well, or does it just translate to what's going on in the moment? I, no, I hope it does. I think it. I think it does. I mean, I think it depends on the individual and what they take out of it. I mean, I think anybody can go. You know, if you put fifteen people through you know name the training it could be a, a hand-to-hand sure. fighting sure. course a combat course a swimming course you know everybody's going to take something different out of that and everybody's going to you know they're going to apply their experiences and how they react to things and and you know when you have kids you start seeing how much who they are is who they are and how they you know kind of interact with the world and it just kind of blows your mind like you know i mean i, I look <laughs> yeah. at my kids and you know some of the ways they're reacting to things i that makes perfect sense some of the ways i'm like i cannot believe you think this about what is happening right now but it really is the way you think and feel about it and that that's a that's a good thing they are they are who they are and i want to help guide them through those decisions i i think i think it's nothing but benefited me i think it does come at a price i, I think sure. the peer group of people i spent time around in, in many ways becomes a little bit of a, a comparison, which is probably not a great way to, to, to me for me to look at the world, but it becomes a little bit of a, a measure of who I want to spend time with. So, I mean, yeah, I'm probably a little more pitiless than, than some people are about the people I'm going to spend time with about the people that I'm going to, you know, share my thoughts, feelings, you know, strengths, weaknesses, and so on because of that. Um, you know, one of the gifts, and, and Aaron would be able to echo this immediately, that, that's special about being a special operator, a member of a team on that level, is you share all these things, all these very intimate, personal things, whether, whether you feel like you are or not. I mean, everyone knows each other on such a, I mean, such a, like, 
freakishly intimate yeah. level. I mean, yeah. physically, emotionally, spiritually, all that stuff. Um, that you get to a point where I think what you're talking about with that book, you, you don't need to say anything. I mean, I can exist right. around my, my SEAL teammates and we can not say anything to each other for a big block of time. And we know what we're thinking and what we're feeling and, and you know, what needs to be said or not said. Yeah. I think hunters experience that too, which is neat. I mean, when you get out and kind of have that shared experience in wild country, particularly pursuing game, you know, half the time you, you should be pretty quiet. You yeah. know, like the, yeah. if you make a lot of noise, you're probably not going to see all that much. So, yeah. um, so it's actually, again, it's another one of those places I find to be an unbelievable transition from my last life and comfortable is you're around people that recognize silence and quiet is a value and is an attribute and, and something that's worth doing. And then, you know, go back to the camp and light a fire and start telling stories. I mean, it's yeah. a great combo. I think for the most part, yes. I think the lessons I take from, from my SEAL experience and military experience, I, I think have just tremendously benefited me. I mean, I, yeah. I go in and work with, with, you know, high-end corporate executives and management teams and, 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 I mean, there's some things they're wrestling with. It's like a Dick and Jane book to me. And I don't mean that to mm -hmm. dis disrespect them. It's just like we come from this place of leadership that is very Spartan and very straightforward. And it's it's gray in reality, but we have black and white ways of responding to things. And it's like, I, I mean, I can tell some executives that are wrestling with issues that you can tell are like the biggest challenge they ever face. I'm like, are you kidding me? Just fire that guy and then do this with this person and you're going to be off to the races. Yeah. You know, and, and yeah. so... Uh, you get to experience that a lot and you almost get an accelerated course in it because in our line of work, again, the, 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 the possible outcomes are so severe that we don't have time for, for the fluff. Right. So like, we just get to it. We're like, right. Nope, we're going to go right. Cause yeah. if we go left. We're going to die. So we're going right. And, and so <laughs> there's not a whole lot of debate that like writes the way to go right now, you know? So, um, there's some real gifts that come out of it. Yeah. Amazing. And that's, and that's the direction that, that you've, sort of are taking your career right is in the leadership space and, and translating some of these maybe basic or maybe whatever complex whatever it is that that you that you lived you're um bringing that into other arenas is that fair to I say? Have, no for sure on? i mean yeah. i'm trying to translate and yeah. kind of be an interpreter for what i learned in very very intense environments and a very very elite and um you know, dangerous teams into less so environments, but that the, the, yeah. the leadership remains the same. I mean, I, anybody that says leadership at different strata is shockingly different is, is, is fooling themselves or in mm. my mind is not a student of that game. I mean, if you, if you told me tomorrow I had to lead the country and you told me tomorrow I had to lead a girl scout troop, a very, <laughs> I would say a large percentage <laughs> of the way I would do it would be the same. Yeah. And now, now you Which know your audience would be more challenging. Boy, I mean, when I that I actually probably put painted myself in a corner. I think in many ways, you know the answer. Um, yeah. I feel like I could lead yeah. the country tomorrow, stand on my head. But but I feel like leading a Girl Scout troop—that's a real challenge. Yeah, yeah. But do you find it challenging and fulfilling to, like, say, step into a corporate place atmosphere and translate these skills? Is that, is that I've is enjoyed it? it. No, yeah. I've enjoyed yeah. it greatly. I mean, I, I think. Um, I think I often find a real captive audience. I mean, I do a yeah. lot of big kind of stage keynote addresses and let's say I have a financial services company that's brought me in to talk about, talk about leadership or high performance teams. If there's four speakers, you know, two of them are economists. Mm -hmm. Someone's a professor at Harvard that's working on, um, you know, some math, mathematical process that might make, you know, identifying emerging markets and how you can make more money. Like those three speakers if you look at the audience, in large part, unless they have tremendous charisma and some ability to connect, most of the people are checking their iPhone. 
Right. That's just yeah. the case. Yeah. And then I get up and it's yeah. like iPhones are going off because I just have fun <laughs> stories. And, 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 and yeah. I don't mean that arrogantly. It's just yeah. like talking to a SEAL is going to be a different thing. This is going to be something totally unique. And it's funny. I've had a couple, um, you know, uh, uh, debriefs or the critiques afterward where a guy said, you know, you really should take, you know, some of that SEAL stuff and very specifically connect it to a board meeting or a balance sheet. And I'm like, absolutely not. Interesting. That's your world. Yeah. And, and, and look, yeah. maybe I book three more events a year because of that. It would degrade in my mind, my brand or who I am if I did that, because I don't want to look at a balance sheet. It's not what I do, <laughs> yeah. but I can tell you as a leader, yeah. what I looked at, you know, our version of a balance sheet was my weapons list, my force list, what I have to use at this point, our contingency plan, what's the medevac, what do we have for communications, how are we going to be talking to friendly units on the battlefield, what's the disposition of the enemy, their their ability to resupply, sustain a fight. Right. And so I'm like, look, if you can't take what I just said and translate that to what you're doing, I, maybe I won't be a help to you. Gotcha. Um, so gotcha. I try and stay very much in my in my lane. Um, so I can offer that. Uh, well, if you had them. to pare it down into kind of like fundamentals of what, what you are sort of sharing, what, what yeah. does it come by? Is it a, a lot of it is yeah. those, those building blocks I'm talking. I mean, a lot yeah. of them are like the straight tweetable, um, mm. You know, the, the, the number one thing I learned in SEAL training wasn't a hand-to-hand fighting move or, or how to sight in a rifle or some advanced tactic. It was calm as contagious. And calm a mass, is contagious. Calm is contagious. Yeah. And I could tell that whole story. Maybe we'll do it the next time we get online. But like a master chief told me when a bunch of our junior officers were freaking out, he's like, let me tell you something. You guys, your only job is to lead. Right. It's not to freak out because the, the, the boys at a minimum, they're going to mimic your behavior at a minimum. What they're probably going to do is ampli- amplify your behavior. Gotcha. So if you keep it together, they'll keep it together. And if you lose it, they'll lose it. Yeah. And he's yeah. like, so just write this down. And, and he just said it very simply. Calm is contagious. Yeah. Do you think totally that, true? Is, is that, um, is there a difference in that scenario of uh, faking your way to calm, or or is it actually getting to a place where you actually can be calm, or is it both? Uh, you can do both. Yeah. I mean, look, I <laughs> yeah. think there's people that have calm under fire and under pressure, and we do a lot of training to get our young officers and leader to a place where they can do that, where they're not going to yeah. lose their mind. Police do the same thing. Sure. I mean, if you have a police officer that's in hot pursuit talking to dispatch, and they're, like, screaming into the phone, you, you've, you've seen it on cops. Dispatch would be like, Peel off right now, car 13, car 7 is coming behind you. That's why when you watch cops, people probably don't realize what they're hearing, but a guy's like, you know, we're, we're in excess of 90 miles an hour. I'm chasing, uh, you know, Ford F-150. It's moving left on mm-hmm. on Smith Avenue, and you're like, God, this guy sounds calm as me because you cannot be freaking out and make good decisions. It doesn't work that way. Right. So, yeah, I think you can fake it. I mean, I, and I would tell people if, if you're in charge, if you don't have it, you better fake it or you should move out of the way. Interesting. So one of the two. Yeah. One of the two. Yeah. So how how long did you start doing that immediately when you when you sort of came back to civilian life? How was the transition back to civilian life for you? Was was it was it easy? Was it hard? Was it fast? Was it was it all kinds of stuff? How how did it go? Uh, you know, I mean, I use the word unique carefully because it's kind of a dangerous word because I think everybody's story and everybody's life is unique to them and and, and they're going to have their own experience. I, I did have a a. a I would say strange exit from the military, you know, while I was on active duty, kind of at the end of what I knew my active duty time was going to be. Um, they put me and about seven other guys, eight other guys on orders, official Navy orders to make this movie act about. So a major motion picture comes out in theaters, 
that becomes the number one movie in America it's where p- everyone in uniform is an actual military member doing their job, trying to authentically represent who we are, what we believe in and why we do what we do. So that's unique. That's pretty unique. <laughs> that's I would, I would unique. say so. So, so, yeah. you know, there's a lot of guys that leave the military and really are like, man, I don't know how my skills are going to translate on it. That was not something ever I ever wrestled with. I've never felt uncomfortable about being able to, you know, hunt for what I want to eat and, and to succeed. Yeah. I, 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 I will work as hard if not harder than anybody around me to get to where I want to be that's kind of I think innate to who I am I I learned it from my dad my brother my mom um, good mentors but you know I did have a platform that movie came out Mm -hmm. Um, I knew I was getting ready to go out I I wrote a book um, one of the early seal books there was only a couple you know really only about two or three other seal books from the modern era you know post 9-11 guys that written books um I very much tried to make my book focused on the higher ideals and what we believe in and who we are and and um, not so much. This is how many push-ups we do in SEAL training. This yeah. is why we do push-ups yeah. in SEAL training. Yeah. And so I tried to do that. And so, you know, I had a movie and a book that came out, which launched uh, some speaking and some consulting things, which, um, you know, very much has appealed to me. So, I mean, th- yeah. there's I've, I've enjoyed it. Uh, so that, that part was easy in the sense that, you know, I kind of came out of the military – with a financially viable path that that made that part not stressful. Sure, um, I would say I've been lucky, and I think I think in a large percentage of my belief, I guess I think my transition from the military has been healthy and, and it's been good. Um, were I you pointed- able, were you able to keep up some of those things we talked about, like the like the challenge or the accountability. Did you did you feel any drop from that, or or do you feel like you got to a place where? I don't know. It, uh, I, I'm wondering. Yeah, was was there was there like a lack of some of that that stuff? And if so, did you notice it, or or was it just were you fine? No, I'm no, I'm noticing it to this day. I mean, the thing I'll say, um, there's two things I miss probably supremely from my time in the military, and and some of them are very much just because of who I am, yeah. kind of personality wise and execution wise. I am a highly disciplined person. I am not a particularly organized person. Amen. So, <laughs> Get that. you know, to be honest, the fact that in the military yeah. you have like a set structure, a set like schedule, time to be, people tell you what kind of underwear, shirts, pants, here's your gear list, go, Yeah, very much appeals to me. You know, like it's – I, I'm an early riser, so I get up, you know, in, in, in the four o'clock window of time much much more than I get up in the seven o'clock window of time. But it was pretty nice when I had to. Right. When I had to get up, drag a razor across my face, put on a uniform and show up at a certain time and I was always early, that appealed to me greatly. And and so that structure I miss yeah. very much. So um and, and I think you know, if I, I've been out four years, I would say if there'd been an ability to apply that same level of structure and rigor to my kind of personal, you know, and professional life right now, I'd probably be a lot further along than I am. I'm, I'm doing fine, but I, if I if I could if I could actively apply the same level of discipline, I would I would be doing better. I can relate so, to that all the way. I can yeah. I see look back at my life and it was literally making the choices I made to put myself into into structured, organized systems that uh, allowed me to really excel you know that it, it did i that's that's always been important i just think because, everything yeah. actually does thrive with structure as opposed yeah. to non-structure and, yeah. I, and i think people would make an argument otherwise and there's not a whole lot of in my mind empirical data to support that i mean if you look at a garden like i like gardening i like veg, veggie gardens because i like yeah. making stuff that i you know or growing yeah. things that i can eat 
you leave that garden alone, even if you had a watering system, you let that garden totally be alone, it would run feral. And you would not get a great yield. Farmers are in their fields every day. And if you're there tending to it, it's a pretty good lesson for like everything else in your life. If you tend to it, if you apply structure and rigor to it, usually good things and products come out of that. If you just let it go, it, it doesn't. Yeah. And, and so that, that was a real blessing and some, something I miss. The, the other one is just the obvious and that's, that's the boys just being around yeah. the, being around those guys. But again, there, there's, there's other peer groups and I'm, I'm kind of opening and, and again, I feel like I've been very blessed and lucky in my life. I feel like, um, you know, whether it's God or, or something in my life that's led me to good things, mm-hmm. it, it has happened. I mean, the fact of the matter is I want to get into big game hunting. The first hunt I go on is with Steve Ronella, you <laughs> to the Alaska range to hunt bear. That's kind of yeah. jumping to the front of the yeah. line, right? So yeah. not many people get to have their first experience and have their primary men- mentors in the hunting world be the greatest hunters currently in the world. <laughs> yeah, that's who I get to learn from. So yeah. like short of Aborigines, like telling me how to rip around, uh, you know, some gnarly part of interior Australia. I literally have access to those guys to help mentor me in hunting. So, like, when I have a question, I get to go to the front of the line. And, right. and, and you know, little did I realize how much my last life those skills translate, you know, very directly. I mean, look, you were on my first hunt. Yeah. And I yeah. think can probably say, like, of, 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 you know, the general guest we bring out cunt hunting, there weren't a tremendous amount <laughs> no. we need to do to, like, make sure Rourke was okay, no. like, with his foot gear choice. But, but again, yeah. I don't, I don't, like, yeah. uh, you know, devalue the fact that I, I skipped the front of the line. Uh, th- that this hunting life and the people around it, uh, without question, have been you know, one of the healthiest uh-huh. peer groups I've found. Yeah. I've heard you say it very clearly a handful of times now, but you recommend straight up to returned vets and, and military folks that if you're not shooting and you're not hunting, you should be, you should be yeah. no doubt about it. Yeah. It's just a perfect translation. Yeah. I mean, you you know, you check the weather, you do a gear list, you build that gear list. Yeah. You recognize when you're out there, you brought the wrong stuff, too much stuff, too little stuff. You learn and refine that you're in rugged terrain. You're at the mercy of, you know, Murphy and, and all the things that can go wrong out in the field, which is, which is good. Yeah. And, and you're usually other than the true solo hunters, which uh, there's one or two solo hunts I want to do in my life. I mean, I want to do one of those truly gnarly, like drop me in the Brooks range, go kill an enormous animal where I am absolutely on the food chain and probably, and putting myself in a bad position to be there. I I will do one of those in general. I want to be with people I want to be with. I'm a little embarrassed to say it, but you know, back to the sort of putting yourself in a uh, organized situation where, and for me too, it's where others rely on you. Cause you know, doing, you know, I went on 70 trips, 70 hunts with the, with the media crew roughly. And um, since then have been really exploring and well, I mean, stepping into life as a Western big game hunter myself too. And <laughs> I'm so embarrassed, but man, like when we were on that crew and we, and, and there was expectations and everything, like my shit was organized. I knew exactly what to do and it just, it was flawless. And yep. now, now I'll find myself out in the woods by myself realizing that <laughs> it's completely up to me to keep that same level of rigor and dedication organization. And I've had some, I've had some moments out there. I'm like, oh man, okay. You know, I feel like a, a beginner in some ways, which for sure. is, which is a fun challenge to actually no have, it's a good but, thing yeah. I, I mean i think stepping back yeah. and getting uncomfortable i mean i think i think i think that's another thing too i mean that that's i, I guess the overarching thing of me talking about struggle it's it's also that idea of getting uncomfortable and and and, and that 
that line or that place where you cross over into you take a step into a place where you're uncomfortable yeah i mean if there's anything i can give my kiddos it, it's it's to do that oh say that again that. say that just, one more. yeah just that's huge find that place where you step into yeah. being uncomfortable you're yeah. out of your lane out of your comfort zone yeah that's where the growth is i mean that that's where the good stuff comes you know and, and we know this on such a fundamental level i mean i, I think it's I think, again, that's why I like the I like simple over complex, like anything that yeah. you can make simple. This is why I was I was so blessed in being born to the father. At My dad is an intellect uh, that's hard to do justice to. I mean, the the, mm. the amount of raw data he is able to maintain and then apply to everyday life. It, it, it is very special. I mean, very, very special. You watch it. You know, if Jeopardy's on, you would not want my dad. Be like, <laughs> Goodness, like every single question. But as a kid, you'd ask a question and he had an answer and, and would guide you, you know, in those answers. But one of the things that, that, that was just so special about that is, is now I look at this and I say, okay, if there's something I don't know, I got to go attack that. Or if there's something I'm uncomfortable right. doing, push, push yourself to go do that. Right. And, and that's, that's just what I hope, you know, again, to teach my kiddos to be like, take yeah. a chance, go like, yeah. go fail, go screw up. And that, that's where you learn And, and, and you know, it's in the simplest terms, we, we know those basic building blocks, right? Like if I want to make my chest stronger or my back stronger, you pick up heavy things over and over again and it hurts. Yeah. And then your body just magically fixes it and you yeah. get stronger. And it's all you need to do. <laughs> just pick up some heavy stuff and you'll get stronger. No, but I, people aren't willing to do it. I love the simplicity of that. Yeah. Just recognizing the, the, the uncomfortable places and stepping into it. And yeah, it's, 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 uh, yeah, it's so cool to get your perspective on this because you know, this, this big project that we're launching, this Everyman project is Honestly, what we're doing is doing our absolutely best to create scenarios for guys who are not military bound, are not, you know, involved in that to have some of these same experiences, to have, you know, have have this experience of stepping into uncomfortable places, to have the experience of having um, that sort of raw, honest uh, scenario and relationship with other guys and, and, and doing it over and over. And, um, yeah, it's 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 been this interesting um journey for me to to do this and and i'm you know i couldn't be happier to be to be where i'm at right now really making this making a stand for this because um i think i i kind of came to some of these uh you know some of these same things on my own over the last 15 years and and not in a military setting and and honestly that there has been a a fear i've had of um I guess a, a stigma that there is for because here here we're talking about some things like like vulnerability or honesty or, or just uh, discomfort all of these things that um, you talk about so fluently and it's just like a part of the team world it's just a part of your world and yet there is somehow some sort of strange disconnection for guys in our culture to. Um, uh, you know, we're not we're not thrust into the situation of having to trust each other and and be completely real and just yep. like because we're not out killing bad guys, right? We're 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 whatever we're 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 uh, picking up garbage. We're we're being an accountant, whatever. And I have just I just from a young age I felt this like, and it started with these kids, these teens, these you know these dudes who just were like you know, struggling in their lives and, and they come to a place where they're like, you know, this, this whole, uh, th- this whole world you're showing me, it seems like bullshit. And, and I'm going to say that. And, um, so yeah, what I'm, what I'm trying to do is create a, 
less of a stigma for guys to get some of this same stuff. And, you know, a lot of the, um, you know, so what we do is we create these, these men's groups, these small communities of guys who just get together and take that risk of being uncomfortable. Yep. Like, you know, that's what it is. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's really exciting. Cause, cause we're trying to, um, you know, we're, we're trying to, to let guys have a space to actually, do and feel what the hell they actually feel and do what yes. they're doing. Yep. And uh, well, it, it, do I'm getting at there's there's, no, just, there's I, just a stigma against guys getting together. Oh, right? I, I mean, look, I think you know? I think it's I think it's worse than you're describing. And I think it's again another one of the gifts. Aaron would. It's one of the reasons I guarantee you're attracted to him and yeah. and that relationship. One of the gifts of being probably the military in any place in the military, definitely in special operations, is you are all in get to be a man like and, and what yeah. people yeah. think like the quintessential man might be and, and, and there's there's absolutely it cannot be argued right now that this country culturally is like in an assault mode on men and, yeah. and like what a man's supposed to be i mean i i, I was having lunch with my bride and my, my two littles yesterday and I, there was a a bunch of kids that had just come from look like a baseball game sitting in the pizza place we're sitting in and there's four or five adult you know, dads, and then these, you know, call it 13 year old boys. Sure. Sure. Listening to these dads like mock and kind of poke fun at and just kind of handle them in this very strange way. I was like, God, I feel like going over that table and be like, Hey lads, just so you know, come yeah. with me. Yeah. Like, let's go out and stand this Creek out here. <laughs> yeah. And I'll give you a little lesson on what, what, what yeah. it means to be a man. And by the way, it's not just being tough. It's not just being hard. It's not being vulgar and these things that people think are men. I mean, that's, that's one of the beauties again, is our guys, you know, particularly in special operations have the ability to go out and, and immerse themselves in savagery and ugliness and vile connections with another person and then come back and play with their girls yep. and be like yeah. awesome husbands, their bride. And I still hold op doors open for women. And I'm going to like stand up when my bride comes to the table and sit, you know, stand up when she leaves and it's throwback type stuff, but we've lost it. And there's, there's actually a whole group of people that, that are going to give you a hard time for it. Right. You know, the, right. the amazing thing is a lot of women are the ones that are giving a hard time. We're like, what, what do you want from me? Us? What <laughs> yeah. do you want us to be? Cause you don't get to have it both ways. Either I get you out of the fire first Right. Or, or like we sit here and burn together. So like, I'd rather just be the gentleman and the, and the chivalrous one. Yeah. And I think in the end, I think certainly there's, there's way more women that want that, that don't, than don't. Right. I think unfortunately the people that, that set the standard of our culture, you know, are in Los Angeles or in New York city or on the news and are like the worst possible people we could have as aspirants and, and, and mentors and 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 you know the standard of who we are unfortunately because of social media and because of what we do that's who people are following yeah and so i mean i think yeah. your 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 cause is noble and and tell me how i can help because I, I i'm all in on on making that i mean i i for a lot of years i've been wrestling with you know i have girls mm -hmm. and so you know i kind of wondered man maybe i should just attack how can I work with girl groups, with female groups to help them be better? And I, and I think, I think my bride who's, who's, you know, I'm married way above, above myself, but has told me is like, look, you're not going to do the girls, any girl, any good teaching them girl stuff. You're going <laughs> to be really good showing them, yeah. you know, modeling what a man is. And then 
they're going to go seek that out. Like you can do no better than that. So, yeah. so for me, to be honest, figuring out a way to help men be men and, and, and probably working with what I need to do is be mentoring like boys, the same age as my girls. So like when they get to dating right. that age, they will right. be real people there for them. I mean, I'm starting to think arranged marriages were like, People were on to something there. Like I've got a couple good SEAL teammates that have boys. And I'm like, yeah. Roger that. Like six, eight, nine years, we're going to start doing spring breaks together yeah. because I will have no problem if they decide to marry. And I think it'll be like completely like symbiotic. They'll be like, oh, you raise badass women. I happen to raise pipe hitting young men. Like they should just go be together. Man, I think that's a natural thing, man. I mean, yeah. already we have friends of the family where uh, we'll get together and, and we both have babies and there's female babies. And we're like... Yeah, it makes total sense. Like this little girl, two years old. How about eighteen years down the road? Let's just let's just make this happen yep. because uh, we know you, we trust you. You're a good person. This is going to be a good woman when she yeah, grows up. Sure, it makes sense, sure. man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I no, I and you know, you already are. So for me, like the first step. I mean, you're already helping. You know, just by being here, being able, being willing to talk like this because it's uh, um. There's so many just strange uh, conceptual stigmas or, or beliefs I think that our our guys have, you know, and they've got them. However, from from looking at poor mentors or whatever it is, but um, yeah, I I think that there's to me one of the biggest things I'm hoping to break is that is is the tough guy, uh, kind, compassionate guy thing. It's not too different. It's not, you don't have to be one or the other. Like you don't have to be just this, uh, you know, a, a soft, lazy guy or a Navy SEAL, right? I mean, I mean, there's a, like this massive spectrum of, of who we are, and we're, I believe, we're just totally uh, missing the mark by not, um, I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I think, I think there's kids out there, or even man, grown men that are just like so um, enamored by the idea of a SEAL or this aspirational man, and they're like, man but there's all this other part of me too. And that doesn't seem to fit. And then, I don't know. I, we're just not very inclusive. We're, we're not giving much permission for yeah. guys to actually, uh, you know, it's like only, if only these parts of being a man are what we're looking for and we're ignoring all this other, it just causes a lot of problems. It yeah. causes, it causes a lot of internal. Uh, and that's actually when we, when we talked about suffering earlier and I asked the question, you know, are all kinds of suffering, um, benefit. Here's what I find. And this is, this is, uh, uh, this started from a young age with me too. I can, I can like, you know, get a group of guys together for a retreat or whatever we're doing. And I mean, the amount of suffering that they just deal with on a day to day basis of just literally just from not being who they are, mm. just, just from like, is immense. And if you sure. offer a crack, you offer an opening for them to, I don't know, just, just actually get some shit off their chest. Um, a lot of what we do, and again, this I'm just getting the the balls to say this. A lot of a lot of what we're doing is is actual teaching emotional skills, which is um, not you know meant to be. Is is not known as a manly thing, right? But the thing is, is it's fucking us up. Like if we got all this buried stuff in us, and we're trying to operate as men and trying to be successful and trying to be a good dad, and we have all this stuff that that we're not even aware of. Um, so yeah, that's 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 an interesting like. Um, and I think I'm not saying that's bad either. I mean, we we all have to go through whatever the hell we're going through. But um, yeah, I th I think that uh, you know, and I, we we've talked about this before. But um, when you were on work was on American Grit, um, which became my pet favorite show last year, <laughs> yeah. uh, first season, and uh, 
Yeah, man, that that episode where you you were, I don't know, had the balls just to to feel what you're feeling, and and maybe you can share and voice it how you want to share. It. But to me, that was kind of like a monumental moment for men in our culture, honestly. And and probably not many people saw this, or but I think it's worth saying because yeah, uh, I, well, it makes me think of two things. We'll get to grit next, and and those kind of there are a couple moments that kind of hit me real emotionally when I was on the show. The the one thing I would say, you know, to you know, to your listeners and to folks you're going to have at retreats and talking about men is, is I, I think people have this misconception that you should try and be something. Yeah. Big mistake. You you need to be you, like you need to be the best version of you. And that, that is, there's such a range and, you know, I don't even know the right way, a constellation. I mean, there's galaxies worth of difference between all of us. I mean, you, you'd, yeah. you'd way quicker figure out the universe than figure out an individual human being. And when people yeah. try and do it and it fills books and volumes <laughs> and entire, you know, dissertations, nobody knows what they're talking about. I mean, there's some good people that have, you know, good systems in place and, and probably have a gift at identifying what's attacking or hurting somebody and how to go after that. But in the end, I just think we are all unbelievably unique i mean it's just like what what i am is not what my best friend is not even close we share a lot of things that we agree on and and you and i sitting here talking probably agree on more than we disagree right that being said there's no way you're gonna ever have two people like dan Doty and rourke those guys they're identical (laughs) like that in the way it works we don't look the same we don't act the same we don't think the same and so you know anyone that that's kind of in your you know new tribe of kind of looking at this stuff do you know don't don't try and be somebody else don't try and say look you know a seals yeah. an archetype or a politician archetype or a ceo's an archetype that be you yeah. and then go pursue that best version of who you are um and i think that's always something for whatever reason and again i i i cannot attribute any of this to any personal you know, talent or skill or gift. I think I, I grew up with amazing mentors and parents and my brother and friends. Um, you know, when it came to grit, I'm an emotional person. I'm a very quick to emotion type person. If I give a speech, like the speeches I will give at, you know, weddings for my little ones later, those will be impossible tasks to complete. (laughs) I can't talk about anything important without getting choked up. I just do. I'm very quick. Yeah. To, to get emotional when I talk about things that I believe in and, and that are important to me. It's just, and again, I don't make that happen. I'm not an actor. I, I can't like <laughs> fake that if I tried, you know? So there's, there's no way I could do that uh, other than authentically. When yeah. I was on that show, it was very, it was very special. If you don't know the show, American Grit, the second season's coming out. I didn't participate in the second season, but it was for military you know, military members, you know, army ranger, seal, uh, 101st airborne guy, marine gunny sergeant that all kind of took four civilians, two men, two women, and kind of put them through military type challenges. Of course, it ended up becoming more a show about what people are made of and, yeah. and who they are. Yeah. I had a couple people on my team that, that were real special. You know I mean? Mm-hmm. I had a, I had a peak performer that I think if he hadn't have gone out the day before the final would have won the whole thing. I mean, supreme athlete, very confident, very capable. Um, he also had some interesting personal kind of things that we worked through to be like, Hey, I think you can be a better man to one of our other teammates who had very few physical, physical gifts when it came to, you know, running at the speed we need to run to win or, or being able to complete this obstacle course. I had this little, little gal named Goldie. That's a little five foot, nothing, african-american female from the south that had never been pushed i mean she's a roller derby girl so she's she's a tough gal but she'd never really been pushed out of her social and physical kind of comfort zones when it came to being out in the world um 
and there's a part of the show where we'd throw them into a final contest. If you win that contest against two other competitors, you get to stay in the show. And if you lose, you're going home. And one of the perceived, one of the perceived like front runners to win the show, big, strong, personal trainer, fit, capable, apparently dude, who I, I feel like I identified very early on had issues that, that, that yeah. wouldn't lead to success. I put her against him in this final challenge and she sent him packing. Yeah. That was amazing. The thing that was interesting is after that, win she came up to me and i didn't even realize it when i said it but before she went up there i pulled her aside i put my hands like on her shoulders on her face and i just was like goldie i i believe in you Mm. i believe you can do this i know you can do this i don't think this is a big thing i mean i think any coach should say that right (laughs) yeah yeah. She comes to me afterwards and i have a note that i'll never i'll never get rid of a note she wrote me after the show that said, never in my life, never once. This is the first time in my life. This is a mother of two, you know, mid-30s. Yeah. No one ever told me they believed in me, ever, in my life. God damn, first man. time anyone's ever Jesus. said that. And so you don't realize sometimes, I guess, what you're saying, when you're saying it, and the impact it's going to have. So, I mean, being able to tell her that and have that have so much, like, deep resonance beyond that what ended up being a show on a network, which doesn't matter to me that much compared to like the fact that Goldie feels like she's going to be a stronger, better person in her life because of that, yeah. that, that was worth doing. So yeah. I got emotional there talking to her. I got emotional at one point when I gave a little pregame speech to my team. Cause they didn't, I didn't think they were performing their ability. I frankly, nobody would believe this, but I'd pass a polygraph. I mean, don't get me wrong. I wanted to win that game. I had every intention of winning, and I frankly was on path to win, I think, if I hadn't lost this one athlete. But take that aside, it was much more important to me to see the folks I was leading, for them to perform at their absolute maximum, to actually give everything, leave it all on the field, and know that they'd done their best and given all. And if they did that, it was good, and I didn't think they were. So I I challenged them to that. Of course, as I'm telling that story, I start getting teary-eyed because it was important to me. Yeah. And at the very end of the show, I'm, I'm left with my two female competitors that's all i got left to go into this final fight against a former pro athlete a 25 year old lumberjack that could run like a gazelle through the mountains <laughs> built like you and i absolute beast yeah. who goes on to win the show and and you know i gave them a speech just about greatness i you know what i thought greatness was and it, it had nothing to do with trying to get them to win that show i just wanted them to like have any tool in my playbook that could help them perform at a high level. So I guess in keeping with, I'm saying like, be you, there's part of me that wishes I could, I could not go so quick to emotion. So there's some speeches and things I could talk about without having that happen. Sure. I can't do it. Sure. I'm not going to undo it. So it is what it is. I'm just going to, I'm just going to be that. Yeah, man. Yeah. We talked about this last year or something, but yeah, it really, it really, it really affected me in it. And I, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was really impressive. And, uh, I think as you're talking about this being you thing, I, there's this element of, um, I, I think that we can, uh, if we can get to a place where we trust that being you actually can lead to greatness, we don't have to lay greatness on top and just only like shoot for something. We lay over something, but we, if we actually just, you know, like we're saying, peel back the layers or whatever that means, um, to be real and to, I think, you know, all the things that we care about or, or, or value, maybe courage or, you know, uh, honesty, what, whatever these things are, I think they're there. Yeah. They're, they're, already, they're already under there. And I think, I think we kind of strive for them in a way. And then we don't do it authentically because, uh, I don't know. Does that, I, I think uh, courage and toughness and all those things lies dormant 
in everyone. So yeah. I, I don't yeah. think there's anyone yeah. that doesn't have it. And a lot of people would argue against me. That's like, no, I'm not a courageous person. I, I think if you were put up against the wall, I mean, some people are going to curl in the fetal position and we've seen that and just laid there and die. Mm-hmm. Uh, I heard a brutal story about one of the kids at Sandy hook that they interviewed afterwards. When that dude reloaded, he ran right past him out the door, out the hall and outside. He just knew the guy was reloading, took off running. Everybody else stayed in there and got shot. Wow. Now, this is brutal to talk about young people and how that you would hope they'd be trained to know that. And I don't know what that kid's dad, mom, pastor did to, like, let him know that. Or maybe just something inside him said, it's time for me to run. <laughs> yeah. And he did it. But, like, that came from some wellspring inside him that I don't think everybody has. He's like, well, I'm out of here. And yeah. he lives to tell that tale because of it. Most people or a lot of people will just curl up in a ball and, and, and put their head in the sand. And that, that's the biggest mistake, right? Like if you quit or give up or yeah. don't do anything, yeah. you're in trouble. You know, I've got this concept of I, I always – I like action over inaction in just about all things. I think it's one of the reasons, like, Ranella appealed to so much to me as a person when we were on that hunt. And, you know, if anyone knows it way better than I do, you do, because I know you had to, at your, you know, at your weight point, had to go ripping up down mountains with him. Oh, yeah. I can't sit there, right? Like, he can't, because he favors action over inaction. Yes. Now, there's times in hunting when the smart play, and on our hunt, it became the case. I mean, how many vertical feet and miles do we cover in the first four days of that hunt? Ungodly. I mean, I wish we'd had a, like, pedometer or whatever to be like, we probably do somewhere on a GPS, on how much ground we covered trying to find a bear and then eventually it was like you me him the latvian eagle we all just sat there and we're like i think the best thing to do is just sit here right now yeah which was tough i mean really i could see tough. i could see steve's skin crawling <laughs> i'm not used to it but i i also know it from my last life that's the same thing too sometimes you yeah. just got to be in the right point place be present be ready and when the fight comes it comes and that's exactly what happened to us i mean what we were within hours of having to pack up and go catch a plane out of Alaska. Oh, yeah. Last Hours. minute. Buzzer And then all of a sudden, Giannis <laughs> is like, unbelievable, here comes a bear. The wind is going the wrong direction. Yeah. It's in thick alder. There's no way. And all of us are just like, let's get up and go. And next thing you know, we've yeah. got an 80-yard layup shot on a beautiful black bear. Yeah, it was amazing. And so, you know, I, I like that action over inaction. And I, I think when it comes to life, it's just a huge lesson. You know, go do, go do. Absolutely. Another another thing that I think I really took away from that trip in Alaska was uh, it, it's interesting, you know, like I I had this um, self-reflective sort of streak out there about, you know, hearing your stories about combat and all that. And um, I when I grew up, I, you know, I played sports. I was, you know, all-state football, played, played O-line, but I played O-line, not D-line. Yeah. And I had this, like, uh, my discipline and all of that were, were really high, and I was very good, but I didn't have, like, the, the vicious killer instinct in me to, to, like, go attack, right? It was more of a protector in that sense. And I think, I think there was something... Like I had to, uh, I judged myself for that. I'm like, man, what the fuck? You know, you should, you should be the the crazy animal too. But, but something happened on that trip. We're hearing about, um, I don't know if it was just like a, a, a something. The way I perceived violence as a kid or something. Always when I was young, I was like, I could never be in the military. I could never be that aggressive. Never, never kill anybody. But something happened on that trip where. Um, I don't know. I think I think I was able to own a part of myself where, like, if I was in this situation and I was at something after that trip, said, "Well, shit, 
I could have absolutely done that. And I don't, there's an important learning of about violence and about and an accepting of violence. And you know, I've been, always been a hunter and been in that. Yeah, but yeah. the human on human violence, it really affected me. And and it really helped me somehow. It like um, I owned a part of myself that said absolutely I would kill somebody yeah. if, if I had to. Right? Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't think of seals, and this might sound so insanely counterintuitive, but I I. Th- I believe this to be true, and I, I think I'm right when I say this. I don't think of seals as particularly violent human beings. Yeah. I mean, I think most violent human beings are on the bad side of the law and of, you, you know, biblical level of right and wrong. Right. I think violent people are sick or come from a culture that doesn't value life, doesn't value, um, you know, doesn't value human life and experience, you know. So I don't, I don't think of seals as violent yeah. people. We have the capacity yeah. for tremendous violence. We have the ability to turn on and deliver violence. But I, I knew very few bloodthirsty guys. And actually, the bloodthirsty guys were, were a danger to the group. For the sure. most part, if you found a bloodthirsty um, warrior, we, we do psych tests before guys get in the training program to try and identify that. Because, like, look, if you come in here because you want to kill people, it's probably not the right method. No, 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 that's not, 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 not perfectly true. I did want to go man on man, like, let's get it on yeah. to the highest level you can compete. And that means me trying to take your life and you trying to take mine. That, that appealed to me. Yeah. So I'm not going to pretend that's not the case. But I don't think that comes from a violent place. I think it comes from, much like you being on the O-line, your job was to protect, right. protect that quarterback so right. he could deliver the ball <laughs> and you guys could advance to win the game. I mean, I think SEALs and, and military people – consider themselves protectors right much more than right. violent aggressors yeah it takes aggression to do that but our, our our people are much more focused on protecting what we enjoy here and what we believe in than than going to be violent it's so interesting because yeah in 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 our retreats and the work we do uh at every man there's this there's just sort of this anger question like about guys in our normal culture who don't have an outlet haven't been taught don't it, it like Anger is something I think there, you know, people look at guys as a stigma and say, uh, you know, there, there's this angry streak guys have. And, and I mean, yeah, we see it, man. Guys who go shoot up, you know, movie theaters or school, whatever it is. Um, I think that there is as much of an issue with guys not being willing to be angry when they should be angry. Yep. That that kind of comes out and. uh yeah, and I, think, I, and I think that angry streak again is 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 a little bit of a departure from what men really are. I think right. men are or should innately have aggression. Yeah, I mean, I think aggression is something that lives inside guys. I think we are hunters and fighters, and that we feel that much. And, and look, I have girls, I see it. I mean, I'm going to an elementary school tonight, and I'll see boys playing cowboys and engines and shooting and like scraping each other up and and the girls are doing much other social things there's plenty of rough girls and my girls like playing rough and we wrestle and get it on and they're gonna learn jiu-jitsu and learn how to shoot and all that stuff yeah. so they're gonna be taught that we're different i mean the the whole you know battle of the sexes or or kind of analysis of the sexes is just a hysterical on a cultural level are hysterical comments i mean yeah. the, the, there's i mean i am positive i share more you know connection to a silverback gorilla than i do a female 
<laughs> because it's just that's how different we are. Yeah. And then when you find the right one, you come together. It's wonderful. Yeah. I mean, that's like yeah. that's where the that's where the magic happens, right? But I mean, there's no way you can try and say we're anywhere near the same. And I think equals a silly term to try and do. I, I believe in unbelievable equality under the law your mm-hmm. ability to go perform your aspirations what you can go do i also think it's on you like when the, this whole world of like we need to give everybody a blue ribbon and the chance of we are killing ourselves with that there's winners and losers i've seen it and i just want to be on the winning side yeah. and i don't win all the time i've lost plenty of games i remember them like in vivid detail <laughs> i won two national championships when i played at syracuse i honestly don't remember those games at all the game where this kid from Yale lit me up for five goals, I remember that like it happened yesterday. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. that that like burns into my memory because I don't want to replicate that. I don't want to see that. Another thing I'll offer, and I almost forgot this, but something you were just saying also is um, I hope this is a gift to like your listeners, and I mean this to be true, and, and there's warriors that will argue against this, and it's that idea of, of people dealing with and thinking of fear. Yep. and how they manage fear or what they believe fear to be in their lives. I think there's this sense that, you know, SEALs and those guys are fearless. I think, you know, people think like big wave surfers are fearless. None of the ones that are good at it. Right. That ain't the way it works. Right. The guys that are fearless get hurt right away mm-hmm. or get killed because you're not going to make good decisions based off being fearless. So if you're fearless, you have some pathology that probably is a non- it's not a good thing for you. <laughs> yeah. I was never paralyzed yeah. by fear. I didn't yeah. go into combat fearful. Fear yeah. was omnipresent in the fact that like things could go really catastrophically wrong at any point. It's the ability to metabolize fear. It's the ability to train and prepare yourself to go beyond fear mm-hmm. and to perform when you're scared or afraid. That That's what separates the the performers from the non-performers. That's what separates guys like Michael Jordan and those folks that are like, I want the ball with three seconds left, take that shot. Right. And there's that great like poster right. of like how many last shots he missed in his career compared to how many he made. Right. Man was willing to take that shot. That's the money. The <laughs> totally. money is, is the dude that's or the gal that's willing to take the shot, that's willing to risk failing. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, one way to relate that to a guy who is not on the ba- basketball court or on the, on the battlefield is that if you're getting run over at work and you need to have a confrontation with, with your boss and speak your mind and, and uh, like own, your, own, own what you need, you know, like that's, just, that's fear too, man. Like, yeah. like that's legitimate fear. And yeah, I think these, you know, what we're talking about is so translatable to guys in their everyday yeah. lives. And, and I don't think we're always aware of it. I, um, I, I mentioned, I emailed you and, and, uh, one of my favorite books is, is about the Comanches who are this just complete, you know, as, as, uh, Westerners were moving West, uh, the Comanches kind of really held out for a long time and, and held their ground. And, uh, they were known as just complete savages and would, just these crazy torture stories and, and what they would do on the battlefield. And um, there was an early, I guess you could call him an anthropologist or, or just a, somebody in there observing. And they just, they, they remarked that they'd be on the battlefield and see these men, these warriors do some just crazy, crazy shit, like inhuman shit. And then two hours later be back, uh, you know, playing with their kids in the most gentle loving fatherly affectionate way and um that was just that's that's really stuck with me for a long time because um there's different versions like that's extreme right that's an extreme and most guys don't live that extreme of a life but you know it's it's uh it's applicable because you know we do need to stretch ourselves 
and uh, have courage in situations all the all the time, all the time to take care of our families or just to be a good guy, right? I, to, I think you're allowed to be more than one thing too. I mean, yeah, I, I think yeah. that's one of the things that people think everything needs to be, you know, equal to all these different scenarios, and that that's not what the world requires. I mean, right. I right. feel like there's places I need to be gentle and there's places I need to be rough and there's places I need to be hard and there's places I need to be soft. And I see no problem cycling between those. And, and I don't know, I don't know where that comes from. I couldn't tell you exactly why that's the case. It probably is a great division between my dad and my mom. My dad's a very sure. disciplined, focused person. My mom's a very artistic, emotional, you know, kind of big, um, personality and and so you know i probably got a little both and saw both so i, I think i'm yeah. comfortable with both but i i you know the the person i was the warrior uh, look I, I believe i'm a warrior like i was mm-hmm. i was born straight with warrior blood getting to the seals was 100 percent just a realization of what i think was a reality anyway but i look at warriors as very balanced people the healthiest of them are hugely balanced and if you study anything about warfare and particularly kind of uh premier warrior cultures you find this to be true historically right i mean the samurai took every but bit as much pride in a pen stroke or making tea as they did a blade stroke to defeat an enemy that's a special, special thing to be able to have both those things. And I think it's funny because I look at these warrior cultures and, and I love studying history and literature and reading is a huge part of my life. But I remember when I came back from one of my most violent combat deployments, I'd never had a garden in my life. And out of nowhere, I read some book about it's called Square Foot Gardening, yeah, which this yeah. guy wrote in the 70s of making yeah. these like small gardens in San Diego. So next thing you know, I got like 56 different vegetables growing in my 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 yard. And, and my my bride's like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm into gardening all of a sudden, you know. And uh, <laughs> but then I was like, wait, this makes perfect sense. This yeah. is like the same yeah. of, of the samurai and the Spartans and these great cultures that that had balance. And that that becomes a huge part of what you got to achieve is, is to say you're, you're allowed to you know, like going to a, a heavy metal concert and you can come home the next day and go be a like capable CPA or right. you know, coach a, right. a youth b- b- baseball team. And, and those are all fine. Yeah. I think that's huge. I, it's, I think it's really huge. I think that, um, <clears throat> yeah, it's, you know, and I said this to Aaron too, but I think it's, it's especially impactful to hear you say stuff like that because of the, because of the enigma that is a seal, right? Because, because of the, that, is a, a, a you know the a manly manly fucking man in our culture right can can actually say that there's a balance aspect and here's here's my pet theory one of my pet theories on it is just that I believe there's this sense of maturing like natural human maturing that that uh, can happen that allows for you to be who you are allows for you know having both ends of the spectrum all ends of the spectrum and I think that um, for whatever reason that a lot of guys aren't getting that maturation product, right? Yep. Like I, th- I look around sometimes, it feels like we have a, a whole lot of 40-year-old boys around. No doubt know? about it. No yeah. doubt. And look, I think another thing that, that I'm trying to kind of refine a little bit and how I want to teach this, but when I talk to young folks, and, and this, would be, this would be boys and girls, hands down, I, I try and think of the gifts, and, and again, I like simplifying things, but I try yeah. and think of, I, I mean, I can't count the number of gifts I've learned from my dad, lessons that he's taught me. If there's one that he repeated more than any that I will ever remember, and I mean, he repeats it to this day. He said it to me before I played sports. He said it to me before I did a test, and he 
told it to me right before I went to war. He said, trust yourself. Yeah. Trust yourself. I mean, this is such a potent thing. Yeah. If you learn this and actually do that, it, it's hard to explain how much that does for an individual to trust yourself. And, and look, you're not always going to be right. In <laughs> fact, I'm not right. I would say there's a very good argument. I'm wrong more than I am right. I do trust in my ability to make a good decision. I tell and I tell young folks, I'm like, look, you need to find mentors. You need to seek out mentors, cultivate those, and have a stable of folks that are going to teach you, guide you, give you advice, and, and, and give you recommendations. In the end, you better keep your own counsel. Yeah. Because I'm yeah. telling you, I've made decisions, and I remember them very, very pointedly. I remember a couple like waypoint decisions in my life where I made a decision based on a recommendation for somebody else, and, and some of those went wrong, and some of those went right both pissed me off Yeah, that I made that decision just based on them. Be like, you should do this. And I've, whenever I've made a decision on my own, when I've said this, and, and a lot of that is still kind of, you know, acquiring, assimilating a bunch of guidance. I mean, I'm not saying mm -hmm. live in a bubble, but like in the end, it, when you're making a decision, particularly an important one, it better be yours. And if it's yours right or wrong, you should go to sleep well at night. Like any decision yeah. I've ever made yeah. that came from me, no problem living with it. The couple decisions I've made that were really based on somebody else, oh my God, I regret them to this day. Yeah. Both good and bad. I really do. I it bothers it. me. It bothers me. So, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it seems, it's cool to hear you say it. I, you know, having a, a father and, I mean, father and mother, it sounds like, who, who are incredible examples to you. Um, I mean, what, what an incredible gift to kind of s start from. And, you know, knowing that, that there's a lot of guys out there that A, don't have a dad or maybe didn't have a dad who, you know, had or, or whatever, didn't have the mentorship, didn't have the example to, to live up to. Um, yeah. Do you have any uh, examples? I mean, maybe the military is one great example. I mean, how, you know, are there any practical ways that you could... Um, and we're actually getting close to, to, to our time limit here too. So well, I would love for you to speak more to, um, I don't know, like, I guess it's advice giving, but, but it's also, yeah. What, what would you like, what would you tell guys out there listening to this that are, if they're listening to this, they, they, they want it, you know, they, yeah. they're looking for something different. They're, they probably really want to trust themselves. And, and, you know, from the experience I've had with a lot of guys, um, that's fucking hard on your own. If you don't already, you know, um, I don't know. Do you have any I thoughts? think, I mean, I think we've done a lot already, which is yeah. good. I mean, I think we've yeah. shared a bunch of stuff between both of us that I think are good tools to put in, you know, put in your toolbox. Um, I don't think I can do better than, than my dad and, and trust yourself. I, yeah. I think yeah. we are designed as, as, um, as beings and whatever your belief, if you believe that's, that's God, if you believe it's, you know, just the way science created you, either one, is kind of fine by me when it comes to if you can take from either of those that you have everything inside you right now, mm -hmm. physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally to like be okay yeah. and like survive and thrive. Like we're just designed that way. And, and I think, you know, there's people that will, um, we do too much comparison, right? Mm -hmm. we, we compare ourselves too much to others and we look at other lives being lived and, and somehow allow that to, I think, color, how we rate ourselves. Have you that's ever done that? Have you ever, is that cause it, that's an interesting thing. Cause I look back on my life and I looked at all these, I don't know, some like Ernest Hemingway or whatever these, these people I really loved and admired and respected. And, um, 
it, I almost felt a kinship with them right away. I, I didn't feel like uh, they were something way yep. other. I don't know. And they're not, right? I mean, yeah. like if you look at the most incredible lives ever lived in the end when you start breaking down the behaviors and and the you know the talents and the 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 alchemy of traits and things that make those people who they are it isn't much different than you and me it's these small little gradients of performance and moments that either went really well or went terribly wrong i i mean look the uh Who's the guy that cut his arm off in 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 Utah or whatever? I don't right? remember his name. Okay, so yeah. you know, guy yeah. falls. Aaron something. Aaron something. You know, falls yeah. falls into a canyon, yeah. gets his arm pinched, and then has a decision to make. He decide, you know, and it was obvious. Like you're either gonna die, yeah. or you're gonna break out a a Leatherman and cut your arm off. Gnarly example. <laughs> yeah. No one is not capable of that. Right. Like he didn't have. I mean, like it wasn't like he was prepared. And, you know, he practiced sawing off his arm. Yeah. No, nobody practices that. We had a teammate that jumped on a grenade and saved six teammates, mm. killed himself. Medal of Honor, but I mean, we'd all much more. We'd, we'd be much happier if he's still amongst us. Yeah, we don't practice jumping on grenades. It's not mm. something we do. It's there. I mean, it's just like everything's in there, right? And it's just how hard are you willing to work? How much are you willing to go push yourself to, as we were saying earlier, kind of unmask or maybe it's break down to sure. this. <clears throat> raw thing that we all are and and, and again most people are not going to be you know famous or have some Mm -hmm. you know all-time front page type event happen in their lives that's not the measure of of what's going to make you the best version of you yeah i'd say just do all the preparations when that happens you're ready for it you know i mean that that's that's why i think guys that go into the seal teams into uh you know elite units and, and different teams they they want to go put themselves in situations where maybe they accelerate and get to a place where they can find some of those opportunities and then yeah. and then experience that and I, I think having done that is a huge gift that i think we give ourselves because then it's like everything else is a reduction after that you know like i'll, I'll give a speaking event and some somebody be like man you know you get nervous when you get up there i'm like not really and that's not because I just don't. It's something that I'm comfortable with. And, and they'll be like, man, it's unbelievable. I'm like, well, I mean, it's a little bit of a reduction of the intensity of nerves that came <laughs> to my last life. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. but but who knows? You know, I could I could be in a mall sometime when somebody starts start shooting. I hope I tap right back into that same thing, pick up my kiddos, get them safety, and then go win the day, you know? Um, well, they're lucky to have you in that mall if that's the case, man. No, I hope <laughs> yeah. I'm in that mall. You yeah. want me in that mall. Yeah, we do want you but, in that uh, mall. But, no, I, I just think, yeah. look, trust yourself. Get uncomfortable. And, and get uncomfortable for you. It doesn't mean you go do an Ironman. It doesn't mean you go do a Spartan race. It doesn't mean you go become a hunter in some rugged place. But do more than you're doing, right? I mean, push yeah. yourself a little bit harder. Yeah. I mean, I, I just I just read this. I'm starting to get into some of this cold water immersion to, like, reduce inflammation and, and – and, um, like the Wim Hof type stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's pretty heavy, right? Yeah, it really is. And all that stuff, and it's like it really is. you can do that in your shower, man. Yeah, that ain't too tough. Like everybody's shower goes to cold, just like it goes to hot. Spend the last two minutes on a stopwatch in like, and I don't mean like the little bit colder. <laughs> go to like right where the water comes on, you start getting like an ice cream headache. Like everyone, soccer mom to elite athlete, can do that in yeah. their house right now. Yeah, and it. It sucks. I force my. I I'm guilty because because I'll 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 edge it into the cold oh, yeah. and then you and think I'm like, come cold. on, dude, come yeah. on, you gotta <laughs> go, all, go the way. all the way. Yeah, and, and, yeah, and, and again, those are those little things you can do to make yourself comfortable. Yeah. I think those little those little discomforts lead to bigger ones mm-hmm. in a good way. They 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 yeah. they kind of inoculate you um, to when things get tough. Man, well, thank you. 
anything else you want to say about I, I don't know any any promotion or just anything else you want to say before no, we leave I'd, here? I'd say yeah. uh, I'd say stay tuned. I got a lot right. of new stuff. I feel like yeah. coming. I think much like you, uh, I'm in a little bit of a. I've really enjoyed this leadership space, and I still think leadership is this, you know, hugely important thing in our world. I mean, I think we're seeing on the uh, the national and international level that having you know good, capable, and the right leaders there um, are important for us as a people. And so I I like that space, and I'm going to stay there. I also think, like you, this idea of kind of human growth and and um, pursuits to, to kind of better yourself is, is a bigger pool that I want to kind of throw my hat into. So I'm, I'm building some of those things right now. So some of the experiences you're doing, uh, I'm going to have some coming up pretty soon and Great. let's meet in the middle, man. We'll Absolutely. We'll together. Yeah. Yeah, brother. Thank you so much. You're a good man and a good leader. And, and, uh, yeah, I appreciate your time and no, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Every, everybody, uh, onward, onward. All right, everybody. Thanks for sticking around, and I hope you got a lot out of that. Uh, last week in our podcast, I forgot to add a weekly challenge, which is it's going to take me some time to really get all these pieces consistent and nailed down. But uh, we had a bunch of guys write in saying that taking the weekly challenge to heart was a really helpful and important thing, and I think it's a really cool thing. So this week's challenge, um, I'm just going to throw out there, and uh, I'm going to – Throw it out in 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 a little bit of a theme with Memorial Day, which is which is yesterday. Uh, the challenge for this week is to take ten minutes, turn your phone off, turn the TV off, turn every screen off, go somewhere quiet, and uh, connect in and think about and allow yourself to experience um, somebody you've lost, maybe military, maybe not military, but somebody that has had an an important effect on you that maybe has you know, given some of their life and their time and their energy to, uh, you know, helping you in any way that's possible. I'm trying not to uh, tell you what to feel. Maybe it's sadness. Maybe it's gratitude. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's happiness. It could be anything in the world. But what I want you to try more than anything is to just actually be there and let yourself feel what you're feeling. That is the challenge for the week. All right, guys, check us out everyman.co that's e-v-r-y dot well that's not right that's e-v-r-y m-a-n dot c-o and uh we'll catch you soon stay tuned guys bye